Welcome to the Mike on Much podcast. I'm your host, Mike Veerman. Uh, we have on the phone our friend and trusted producer, Max Kerman, who's calling in from the road. Max, how you doing? I'm doing great. How are you guys? Oh, we're great. We are also here in studio with our pop culture aficionado, Shane Cunningham. And, of course, as always, on the dials is intern Erica. Guys, lots going on. This is our second episode of the new year, 2020. Uh, we, we served up a supersized episode uh, last and it, last time, and it seems like people responded. They kind of liked it. I was wrong. I, I said the episode should not be that long. And then, uh, you know, the masses said more two-hour episodes. But I think we have to be out of the room in like 45 minutes. So this is actually going to be kind of a short one. Yeah, Sorry. we're just trying to, 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 to pump one out. And normally we wouldn't because, again, like we said, you're not in town. But because we want to give the people what they want, we're doing a call-in episode. Uh, let's start with, with something that has been on our social media. Uh, if you follow the mic on much Instagram account or, or us on Twitter uh, or maybe even some of our personal accounts, uh, you might have seen that this weekend we were in Buffalo for our dear friend Julian Foreman's diaper party. Uh, a lot went down. Uh, Shane actually wasn't there, unfortunately. He couldn't be there. He was uh, on vacation with his family for the weekend. Uh, but yeah, Max, where do you want to start? <laughs> well, we can start a couple months ago where basically I got a text message from your brother Greg and Dan is um, saying, we just thought of the most brilliant idea for Julian's diaper party. And we've thrown a diaper party for basically all the all of our friends that are about to have a kid. Is that true? What would you say, by the way? Yeah, everyone's had one. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I did one. Shaney, what was yours, Shane? Where did we go? What did we do? No, I think I had the worst one. I don't think we uh, did anything good at all. <laughs> we, we definitely <laughs> did something, though. No, we just... It was, oh, it was at, uh, it was at uh, Max's place. Remember? And we had, yeah. like, uh, we all wore Hawaiian shirts. <laughs> Is that something else? <laughs> Thank you. It brings a tear to my eye. Just remembering. <laughs> Is that what we did though? Yeah, I think there was a Hawaiian shirt. A couple guys abided by the Hawaiian shirt rule. Maybe. But it, it was, and I'm not complaining. I don't want uh, a lot of stuff, but uh, I do want to hear about the most amazing diaper party of all time. Or uh, I will say that it has evolved immensely over the last even like, 12 to 15 months like like how what are our thoughts on diaper parties anyway it's kind of this hilarious kind of bullshit reason just to party with your dude friends of course well originally it's like everyone's supposed to actually bring diapers to the event but then a few of us like live in small like condos or whatever and so people just said like here's an amazon gift card let's start drinking so like diapers are nowhere to be found (laughs) our first one ever was for our friend jug like he was the first one to have kids like three years ago or whatever it was and remember we we got all these diapers we did it at my place in hamilton and we built a, a throne of diapers for for him like that's how elaborate the diaper part was like and like you said now they're i I've never seen a diaper at the last like three diaper parties. Yeah, I, I think mine was the last one where there was actually phys- a physical diaper thrown. <laughs> yes, you're totally right. But then they just streamline the process, which is much smarter and easier for everyone involved. Yeah. And uh, just get straight to the partying. And I think Julian is the most beloved champagne boy. Yes. Of them all. Well, I was going to say, we're, they're all kind of beloved in their own way. Like, we, we all, everyone in the gang, like, there's a certain amount of affection for. But Julian has never missed a bachelor party. Uh, he, he has been to, I think, all the diaper parties. And, yeah, he has, like, a particular, I don't know, like, closeness. And, yeah, we have a particular, like, affection for Julian. So I think this one was especially... Sorry. Uh, I was just going to say, what's good about him is that he's not boring... And he still nope. parties his ass off, and he's not <laughs> offensive when he's partying his ass off. 
So some mm. of the champagne boys are kind of quieter or more boring. <laughs> and then some of the ones that do party, they get a little crass or mean when they're drunk or weird. But Julian's like the <laughs> perfect guy. He's just that's actually perfectly put. That's exactly it. <laughs> he's perfectly fun loving. Like how many times on this podcast have we talked about Julian doing bits when he's drunk, whether he's like fake smoking and flicking it or pretending to read a newspaper like on a dance floor. He does like these weird things that are just so entertaining. And that's really his personality. Like there's just sort of like there's no malice in him. He just wants it's like joy. His party his partying embodies joy at all times. And then he'll he will heckle. Like he does he gets into but that no but no one gets mad at him it's like people he instantly meets get yes. that he's a kind-hearted person so he can like hop behind any establishment and start pouring drinks at a bar <laughs> and the bartender won't get mad at him right or he can hop behind it at a pizza joint start making pizza he's made shawarmas yeah. before i believe like he's jumped behind oh, that pizza place he would always go behind there and have like a shift you would call it <laughs> after the bar so anyway uh our, our fun uh loving friend julian is having a baby so, so Max, bring us back to that conversation with you and my brother Greg and Dan Hamilton. So, so Dan and Greg are so excited. We're like, we just thought of the most genius idea ever. We should, for Julian's diaper party, learn a bunch of Blink-182 songs and surprise him with a, like a surprise concert. Because Julian famously, if he's at a bar and Blink-182 comes on, his shirt is ripped off immediately and he starts screaming all the lyrics to every song in everyone's face. And it's kind of one of his most sort of signature bits, I'd say. So uh, we thought, what if we like go to Buffalo or actually, I think originally we thought we would just do it in Hamilton, but I thought like the destination could be interesting. Uh, Yeah. So we started to kind of devise this plan. Of course, like in true Champagne Boy fashion, no one actually got around to this idea until about like a week before the actual (laughs) event. (laughs) Um, So I, me, you know, if if I'm good at one thing, what's the one thing I'm good at, guys, would you say? Delegation, baby. Delegate. That's exactly it. So, um... Dan and Greg were not getting around to organizing. Dan did a lot of organizing, by the way, so full credit to Dan because he, he did a lot uh, in this event. But uh, it was on me to kind of sort of how everything would work musically. And so the Dawson brothers, the former band members of yours, Mike, That's in right. Santa Ashton, I, I, told, I, I told them to learn the, the drum part, uh, sorry, the guitar parts. We recruited your old drummer, Ted Patterson, Love uh, who's Teddy also P. a friend of Julian's. Uh, uh, to play the drums and uh, and Greg said I'll learn like maybe a couple songs and maybe Nick can learn the rest of them. <laughs> <laughs> that's that's Greg's uh, version of delegating. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Um, I, I reached out to uh, Luke uh, Bentham from the Dirty Nil and I said we need a rehearsal space and we got together last week um, for a couple rehearsals and, and so Greg comes to town and he said he was getting a bite at the subway around the corner from my house and he ran into you Shane yeah (laughs) do you remember this (laughs) yeah of course so I I, uh, part like I like to walk home to save myself uh, an uber from the bus station so I'm walking and I pass the subway (laughs) and I see Greg and I'm like I could just wave and continue to walk which I think he wanted me to do but I'm like no I don't see Greg because he lives in Toronto so why the hell is he in Hamilton so I walk like on a in. random Thursday night or whatever. Yeah, it's a Thursday night. And uh, I walk in and I'm like, Greg, what the hell are you doing here? And he's like, oh, uh, I'm helping Max. I go, okay, helping Max with what? And he goes, I listen to his songs and tell them if they're good or not. <laughs> I'm like, which is not untrue. Which yeah, is I'm not like, untrue. He I'm does like, do that. Okay. I'm like, this makes somewhat sense, but... Greg isn't the best liar in the world, and I've known him for like 20 years. Well, he's your best friend, isn't he? <laughs> yeah, well, I would consider him that. He'd uh, probably consider Julian his best uh, friend, or Max, or Dan, you know. 
so I don't like saying that anymore. Oh. But yeah. <laughs> sorry about that. <laughs> you really touched on a wound here, Erica. Sorry, sorry, we can move on. <laughs> but <clears throat> I'm like, I'm suspicious, but okay. And Greg's like, yep, that's what's happening. <laughs> And I'm like, are you sure that's what's happening, Greg? Because I'm very suspicious. And he's like, yes, I'm definitely doing that. And then I didn't want to push it, even though I knew he was lying. And I'm like, I'm just going to hold this in my back pocket till tomorrow morning. And I'll ask Mike if Greg is lying. And you weren't even sure. But you, we, pro- we came to the conclusion he probably wasn't sure if this was a surprise for exactly. not only Julian, but everyone else in the group. Yeah, we didn't. Like, I knew about the, the whole Blink thing. But... At that point, I did think it was weird that Greg would lie to Shane unless it was that thing where we wanted to like kind of like the Nick Nurse thing uh, for your birthday party where is it a surprise just for Max or is it a surprise for everyone else attending as well? So we didn't know if like everybody that walked into that bar in Buffalo would be like, holy shit, you know, these guys are doing like a blink set or if everybody knew. But ultimately, everybody that was going except for Julian knew the deal. Yeah. So, but yeah, when Greg came over to my house right after that, he's like, yeah, I I lied to Shane. I was like, why don't you just tell Shane? It's not really, the only person person we have to keep it from is Julian. And Greg's like, I don't know. I panicked and just lied. (laughs) Yeah. Uh, which is funny. So uh, anyway, uh, the guys got together. Uh, this, everyone, uh, actually, I should say Ted, I think, took a day off work to practice the drum parts. (laughs) And and if if you're, I know, right? If you're, if you're a drummer, you love Travis Barker and you want to like execute his parts perfectly. Uh, Brody came very prepared. Sean, I think, was somewhat prepared but kind of following along the chords. Greg did not practice at all except for about five minutes on my guitar uh, at my house before the practice. Uh, Nick, of course, was very prepared. So yeah, This is Nick um, from Arkells for everyone that's listening, yeah. Yeah. Uh, and then the guys wanted to get together again. I was in Florida and I just basically like sent notes for what I wanted to be rehearsed. And then Sean was just like, uh, are you drinking like a pina colada right now, Max? Like, fuck off, please. And so anyway, the band, uh, the band was uh, in great shape. Um, and I basically, um, I had to rely on a lot of things working for me to get to Buffalo on time because my flight was landing in Hamilton on Saturday at 4.30. And this party was supposed to start at like basically 5.36 in Buffalo. So I land at the airport. Uh, Ted picks me up. We go right to Buffalo. And I go right to the venue where Donnie, who is our promoter in Buffalo, has orchestrated like the perfect little club venue. It's in this like old school arcade uh, kind of hipster bar and he's uh, had a young Buffalo band bring all their gear for us to borrow so, so we didn't have to co- uh, cover anything or travel with any musical equipment uh, and we begin to set up uh, and wait for Julian uh, to come. Mike, do you want to, that, that's sort of like the setup for how this that, this event came together. Mike, you take it over. So so we, we everything's in motion we're all hanging out at the uh, the hotel in Buffalo. Uh, we're waiting for Max and Ted to sort of arrive because, again, they're coming from the airport. We're all hanging out in the hotel. And Julian, it's kind of fun because Julian doesn't know any of this is going on. Like, we're supposed to be going – we are going to this beer fest in Buffalo. That's like the conceit of the diaper party is we're all going to go to Buffalo and we're all going to the, this big famous beer fest there. So it's like, okay, that's what we're doing. That's the diaper party. That's super fun. Um, that's what Julian thinks is going on. So of course, once you're at that convention center, like a like a where this beer fest is taking place, guys break off. So it's not that weird if you kind of you're not even going to miss six guys. There's probably like how many do you think were there, Max? Like 17, 15 guys? I don't know. Yeah, I'd say fifteen guys maybe. So like if like four or five break off to go set up this gear, uh, uh, everybody starts loading in. Also, I will say, Max. So we we meet up with uh, Buffalo Donnie and Tim, uh, who listens to all of our our episodes. 
Mm-hmm. Uh, so shout out to him. He also uh, was buying us lots of shots. He was being very generous and fun. So shout out to him. He does listen. Uh, we um, once the gear got there from the band, they were like the band in Buffalo that was providing all this gear for the show. They're like, oh, it's in the back, and and where they're performing was the second floor of this arcade thing. Uh, they needed to load in. And Max, like maybe for the first time in I don't know how long, you loaded in gear. I know. I didn't like it, but I figured I had to lead by example. <laughs> and it was like, yeah, it was like five, four amps, drums. It, it was like, it was significant. Uh, but yeah, so then we were all just kind of waiting for Julian to show up. These guys rehearsed it. They ran like, what'd you do? Run like one full song? Did you do What's My Age Again? Like once through? Yeah. And then Max. Mm-hmm. Now, I think word might have started to spread because there's a lot of Buffalo, uh, there's a lot of Buffalo Arkells fans. And so I feel like the place started to kind of like, there was a guy in an Arkells jersey at one point. Like, I think word kind mm-hmm. of started to spread that you guys might be doing a weird cover set. Is that true? Yeah, I think because uh, the, uh, Buffalo's a small town. And word got out, I think, amongst like uh, the friends of Donnie and the bar owner that, oh, our Kells are doing something special. And actually, we got, um, I got a text from our radio promo gal, uh, Jen, who, who does all of our U.S. radio stuff, saying, uh, like the day before, saying, I just got um, a, a text from our friend uh, Jim in Buffalo, who runs the Buffalo station, and he heard our Kells are doing a surprise show. And uh, he was a little, uh, just a little disappointed that he wasn't involved in like the announcement of it, which which is a totally fair thing. But, but I texted right back. I was like, no, no, no. This is uh, two of the five Arkell members are going to be there. We're just doing six Blink-182 songs. And it's, it's for our friend Julian, who's having a baby. It's like nothing to do with Arkells, but I appreciate uh, you reaching out. Uh, but yeah, but anyway, Buffalo's small enough that this small bar was already pretty crowded with a bunch of Arkells fans in there. And, and, and also just patrons of the bar on, that are looking to have a good time on a Saturday Isn't night. Julian wondering where you guys are at this point? So it's funny you say that. So... <laughs> What happened was this beer fest, you were either supposed to, like, it, like you get tickets online or you could buy tickets at the door. So a few of us, like I texted Dan Hamilton, I'm like, hey, do I have to buy a ticket for this beer fest? It was like 45, like online, or can I just buy it at the door? He's like, you should be good at the door, I'll let you know. Time passes, nothing, we never figured it out. So there's probably like four or five of us that just couldn't go because it was sold out. So then a bunch of us had to just kind of go drink at another bar while those guys drank at the beer fest, which only went till nine o'clock anyway or something like that. Or basically Dan had it set up where uh, it wouldn't have been suspicious to Julian, um, sort of part serendipitously. And then also I think it would have been fine because it's like, you know, it was so big, this convention center that I don't think he would have been like, what the hell happened to like six of these guys? And by the way, Max and Ted weren't even there yet. They were coming in from the flight. So that's two guys from the band that wouldn't have been there anyway. Was the beer fest ended up being worth it or no? I didn't go. I I didn't. I couldn't get a ticket. Mm -hmm. So, so I ended up going. It seemed, it seemed like they had a great time, though. Like they they, they had a, a ball, and I think they got Julian to like just the right amount of sauce. <laughs> so when he was going to arrive at the next bar, he wasn't like too out of control, but it was just just like just enough to like get him ready for his performance that he didn't know was coming. <laughs> Which he was about to do, yeah. Uh, so so these guys do the rehearsal. They do like one song. And now everyone in this like arcade bar, small brother, they're kind of like, wow, this is kind of crazy. And that's, that's well, the Arkells are... And Max then says, hey, guys, here's what's going on. Our friend is obsessed uh, with Blink-182. He's having a baby. There's like a, you know, a little cheer in the crowd. He's like, he's going to be coming through. He does not know we're doing this. And we're going to be doing a bunch of like Blink songs once he walks in. So, you know, he kind of like sets the stage for people in the bar. So they sort of understand what's going on. And then there's kind of like, okay, well, I guess we're all going to just wait and then they'll let us know by text because it's like a five minute walk from the convention center to the bar that we were at uh, when Julian's coming. Yeah, basically I said when Julian comes through, you're going to know who he is. It's going to be very, very obvious. So when he comes in, 
this pit area right in front of us, you have to start pushing him around. Just push him around and get him going. And so like everybody was like very aware of like, okay, this is this is what's happening and we need to treat this person like specially. Yeah, and you know, we'll actually, the nut on his Instagram, so he'll have the sequence of videos. He has this great sort of like through line of the night. He has the whole performance recorded actually. Uh, but he catches Julian coming up the stairs of the arcade bar. Uh, he has him walking in right as the song kicks in. So we'll post that on the Michael Mike social so you can sort of see what we were discussing but uh julian comes in and he's since said that like he said the minute that uh the the blink song started playing he went oh my god these guys have brought me to like <laughs> see a blink 180 cover band this is awesome <laughs> then he runs up to the top of the stairs and looks and he says his brain kind of scrambled for a minute because he saw the dawson's on guitar he saw max like with a mic he saw my brother on bass because Greg was on the first two songs. And then he said, then it really kicked in what was going on. And then he said he honestly couldn't like believe it. He starts getting pushed around like Max said. It's like a little mosh pit. And then just like Max predicted, Julian's like eventually the shirt rips off. And Julian sang all six songs with you, Max. Eh? It was actually perfect. You guys were kind of going back and forth like Tom and Mark in a lot of the songs. Yeah, I, I kind of stayed up there for the most part uh, just to make sure like the vocal cues were kind of happening where they needed to. Uh, just because, you know, even if you know a song really well, it's like, oh, does that instrumental after the chorus, is that two bars or four bars? And I, that, those were kind of the cues I was aware of. I didn't know the lyrics, but I just kind of knew where things were supposed to happen. And but yeah, but Julian did about like, you know, 85% of the heavy lifting. Neither of us knew the lyrics to uh, in the verse for feeling this. So we just yelled feeling this really loudly at each other feeling this gotta regret right now (laughs) yeah it was it was very funny we both like had a look we looked at each other during that moment we both were like at it we just kind of shrugged our shoulders and just started screaming feeling this at each other which is kind of like what we typically do when we're dancing together (laughs) um but yeah julian killed it um and then after we did the six songs which ended up being all of you know 14 minutes long because those songs are quite short um uh, we get we had an encore. The crowd, like, one oh, more song, <laughs> one more song. Which okay, so I was standing kind of like near the back, watching all of this go down. It was, by the way, being there in the crowd, like it was awesome. Like I feel like everybody was loving it. Like people don't realize how many Blink songs they know until they start playing, because people in the crowd were singing along. Julian was crowd surfing at one point, shirtless. Like it was, it was awesome. So it ends, and like you said, Max, six songs takes like you know like 15, 20 minutes. There's so much energy that everyone starts chanting one more song, one more song. And now I'm going, there is no way this weird amalgamation of a band knows one more song. <laughs> and so I'm like, I wonder what they're going to do. And then Max, like you, you triggered the encore. So maybe take it from there. I couldn't believe it. Well, basically, um, at this point, Julian's shirt was off. And I know this from performing live. Sometimes you wish that you could play a song early in the set list again because the crowd is that much more jacked, everyone's sweatier. You're like, oh, you know that song we opened with? If we had a chance to play it again, it would really go off. So that's exactly what we did. I said, all right, guys, we're playing all the small things one more time. But but this time, instead of Julian coming upon it and not knowing exactly what was happening, his shirt was off, he was sweaty, and then he sang the whole song, and it was awesome. yeah, like the Instagram part of my mind goes, oh, this, this is going to really kill if I'm up there and I know the lyrics. It's the one song I know the lyrics, so I'll be able to perform really well. Julian's shirt will be off, so the frame will look really good. And everybody gets an encore, so it was like a win-win. It was great. Yeah, and it was, uh, I feel like it was just one of those, um, yeah, it was, it, was, it was really awesome. And Julian sent like the most 
beautiful message to the Champagne Boys group after. Uh, and then uh, his wife, Sam, also sent a message just saying how grateful she was. And she didn't think she could ever get emotional at like a Blink-182 cover band. <laughs> yet she did. Uh, yeah, man, it was just re- it was it was really cool. And uh, it came together, man. Uh, but by the way, we were talking just talking about how funny Julian is. His favorite thing, though, is uh, just to kind of get drunk and tell his friends how much the friendship means to him. Like he really like can get into that zone in a really like sincere, sweet way. Um, but he's also really funny. So after the the performance, uh, the nut has a camera in his face. It says, "Do you have any words for your unborn child?" And then Julian goes, "Yeah, tough act to follow." <laughs> <laughs> Uh, uh, and then um, he asked um, so basically one of the songs that we didn't play though in the set was Josie which is a song that Julian like really explodes on Um, and so Greg goes Julian not gonna lie I was expecting tears like after the performance and Julian goes well I was expecting Josie and walks away (laughs) (laughs) so it's like and and then people uh, during the show were uh, like when we had that kind of awkward moment like are we gonna play an encore what do you want what are we gonna play and then someone yelled play some Arkells and then Julian just goes in the mic no let's play songs that people actually want to hear <laughs> <laughs> like yeah he, he took the piss out of me and Arkells uh, like fifteen different times also I should say most of my dance moves come from Julian so like Julian has been a very influential person uh, in my in my life as a performer he, he he's like truly one of the one of the great physical uh, performers that, that we know. It was a great night. Uh, Shane, you were missed as always. Uh, yeah. It's, uh, I, liked, I liked watching it from afar because to be honest, I was very, very sick that night. And no way I could have uh, been there. Even if I was there, I probably would have just been in the hotel room. My daughter has, was very sick and my wife is very sick too. So, Yeah, it's always interesting. It's always tough hey. to lose like a guy. Uh, you know what I mean? Like whenever you, you're missing a member of the group when you do one of these things, it's always like, oh, man. But then this funny thing happens with the history of it is we're going to remember you being there. Yeah. Do you find that? Oh, happens it happens with, with bachelor parties. Like we kind of talked about this on the last podcast, yeah. I think. But it always happens when there's a huge group event that everyone ends up being there in our minds. So. In your memory. You're like, and especially yeah. with Instagram, it did feel like I was there. It was perfect because I didn't want to be there. I had no, like, I, I wasn't regretting, like, oh, I wish I was there because I couldn't have gone no matter what. Like, I wasn't yeah. feeling well and I couldn't have drank alcohol. Like, it just would have been like a, a shitty spectator event for me. Even if I had gone, I would have been in the corner, like, grumpy. So, right. seeing it from Instagram actually did bring me more joy than actually being there. Yeah. 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 And like I said, you'll be there in our minds now. Oh, yeah. Yeah. It uh, felt like I was there. Yeah. And apparently there's like a WeTransfer link that has the whole set so I can kind of You can watch the whole thing. Yeah. Yeah, You can watch. Erica, we can send you the link if you want to watch. Yeah, I'd love to. Are you a Blink fan, Erica? Um, Not huge, no. Like, I like the hits. I don't not like (laughs) them. They're all hits, though, almost. I don't know (laughs) too many of their songs. All right. Well, maybe we should sell the We Transfer link. Oh right, oh. <laughs> it's only fifteen minutes. Quick watch. Yeah, a yeah. buck a minute. A buck. Whoa, fifteen minutes. <laughs> I mean, fifteen dollars. <laughs> it's only fifteen minutes. Buck a minute. Whoa, Time fifteen minutes. Money. Sorry, fifteen dollars. Um, uh, that's with, a lot. Maxie, was there anything else you wanted to say just to sort of wrap up the the goodwill of that that diaper party? I mean, who's got to go next? Um, Actually, speaking of the Dawsons, who are both playing guitar uh, in, in, in the cover band uh, on the weekend, uh, Brody's having a kid next. And in the group, uh, somebody was like, Sean, like, what are you going to do for Brody's uh, diaper party? And, uh, 
and Sean just wrote, I'm fucked. Because it's really hard to follow this Julian diaper party with anything else. Mm-hmm. Like, Well, people are kicking around yeah. a week in Italy. And <laughs> things going- <laughs> I'm in. Uh, no, the last thing I just want to say is that a huge, huge thank you to Donnie in Buffalo who helped sort of all the the details that we needed. Yeah, because for, for us to pull off in Hamilton would have been kind of easy because we know a bunch of bar owners, our gear is there, etc. But for us to do this in Buffalo was like a whole other set of like logistical issues. Uh, so shouts to Donnie and shouts to, to Dan Hamilton uh, for doing a bunch of the organizing because uh, it was it, it, it takes takes a lot more work than you think to organize like uh, 15 dudes. What so, about Greg who uh, came yeah. in uh, for the commute to Hamilton and almost blew the cover? And shout, shouts to Greg. Yeah. <laughs> Guys, you want to move on to topics? Let's do it. Okay. Today on the show, we're hitting a couple things. Uh, first thing we were going to talk about actually was um, Maple Leaf Foods uh, because their CEO made a statement that was somewhat political, um, which is rare, I think, for companies to sort of uh, go out on a limb like this. And this became news. I mean, this statement has 70,000 likes. Uh, it is from the Maple Leaf Foods Uh, official account uh, and he opens by saying I'm Michael McCain CEO of Maple Leaf Foods and these are personal reflections I'm very angry and time isn't making me less angry a Maple Leaf Foods colleague of mine lost his wife and family this week to a needless irresponsible series of events in Iran US government leaders unconstrained by checks and balances concocted an ill-conceived plan to divert focus from political woes the world knows Iran is a dangerous state but the world found a path to contain it Not perfect, but by most accounts, it was the right direction. A narcissist in Washington tears world accomplishments apart, destabilizes the region. U.S. now unwelcomed everywhere in the area, including Iraq. Tensions escalate to feverish pitch. Taking out despicable military leader terrorists, there are a hundred like him standing next in line. The collateral damage of this irresponsible, dangerous, and ill-conceived behavior, 63 Canadians needlessly lost their lives in the crossfire, including the family of one of my Maple Leaf Foods colleagues, his wife, and 11-year-old son. We are mourning, and I am livid, Michael McCain. So, obviously, he's talking about the uh, the plane that tragically was shot down um, by, like, Iranian anti-missile uh, uh, apparatus of some sort um, because they were on high alert or in some sort of military position after the uh the murder of the general in iran um yeah so i mean what do you want to discuss here specifically max sort of the the idea of like a ceo taking a stand like this that could be polarizing uh or do you want to talk about sort of the the tragedy of a plane sort of becoming casual uh sort of sort of casual collateral damage with 63 canadians like uh michael mccain said in his statement yeah, well, I was thinking about a couple things. Uh, one, just that it's sort of unprecedented that like a corporate CEO would say something. And it's, and I was kind of like browsing the internet to see what the reaction was like. And of course, on Twitter, there was a hashtag boycott Maple Leaf food. And and the thing which I think I really need to uh, sort of readjust my brain on is whenever I see a hashtag on Twitter trending, I have to remember that it doesn't necessarily mean anything. It could just be like a fringe part of the internet that gets enough people that are like Trump supporters to to start that hashtag and to, and to have it come up in my feed. Um, but it seemed like to me in this case that the reaction was quite uh, like overwhelmingly positive in support of 
uh, of a CEO making like a very sort of political stand. Would would you guys agree with that? Like, would, did you think the feedback on it was like ge- like was generally very good good for Maple Leaf and him? Um, I, I didn't I didn't really delve into the feedback. I'm not sure what the sort of the response has been. Um, but I, I would think that in some ways it would be positive only because it feels like. Yeah, I don't know. Like, I think when people speak from the heart and it seems like that's what is going on here, it's like this moment of like vulnerability and authenticity where it's like even at the risk of this company sort of taking a hit or me losing my position as CEO, I feel like this needs to be said. It's almost like the Jerry Maguire mission statement. Like you have this moment where you go, my my, crisis, my convictions are actually more than the potential risks of what it might mean personally to me. And I think that like... I think there's something about that that people respond to. So I don't I don't I would think that the response would be positive, even though it is delving into complex international politics uh, and things that could be polarizing just by the very nature of Trump being involved. Yeah, yeah, I thought the response was exactly what you'd expect. There was uh, a majority of people supporting him and then the 10 percent who didn't were very mean and were Trump supporters. What did you did you think that it was uh, like? What do you think of him saying that? Like, what was your response to it? Were you like, "Wow, this is sort of unique," or were you like, "Like, did you think it was risky for him to say that?" Or well, I looked at first. I thought it was like Maple Leaf Foods' real account saying it, but then I noticed it only had eight hundred followers, hmm. and I was like, "Oh, is this his personal account that he has changed the lo- the the profile picture and the uh, the name to kind of make it more newsworthy?" I, w- I wasn't sure. But it was less impressive once I realized he had very few followers. But yeah, I think it's bold anytime a CEO is going to speak out because a lot of meat eaters are probably, or, or a lot of Trump supporters are probably meat eaters. Right. <laughs> <laughs> I don't that's think true. that's a crazy correlation. I, yeah, I think no. That's probably pretty accurate. Uh, but uh, it wasn't an exact indictment against uh, the U.S. Like it wasn't a clear-cut indictment because it was an uh, Iranian mistake. I think he did get uh, half the backlash he would have gotten had it been directly against President Trump. Yeah. Yeah. It's interesting. He does tie the causality, though, like the idea that. Oh, he does. But I mean, had yeah. it been directly, it would exactly. have been even worse. Yeah. But yeah, you're, you're right. He does mention how foolish this whole thing is. And, and, and basically is saying that Trump sort of ordered the assassination of that Iranian general to distract from political woes, which is I mean, is I it's there's a certain amount of people that will accept that as fact and. There's a certain set, uh, a set of people that say, well, no, he was taking out a, a dangerous person and we never questioned the motives of other presidents, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. Uh, what were you going to say, Maxi boy? Yeah, I was going to say uh, it's, it's, it is sort of I do like the fact that he uh, is using his platform to, to actually call out Trump because I feel like a lot of people in power are afraid uh, you know, t- to question anyone, you know, because they are worried with the own, their own skeletons. And I was, it was funny, though, because I, I forgot about this, but there was a breakout, uh, Listero- Listeriosis breakout in 2008. I remember this. Uh, caused, by Maple, by, caused by Maple Leaf Foods, where uh, resulted in 57 cases, resulting in 22 deaths. So I understand. And then so when he made that statement, a lot of people were like, well, what about this? You killed 22 people. And so it made me think about the nature of powerful people calling out other powerful people because if you are a powerful person you probably have skeletons that and, and it's better for you just to kind of fly under the radar for as much as you can because if you do take a stand on something then then the limelight's going to be on you and they're going to be bringing up you know sort of problems in your own past so i did think it was interesting that you know he takes this stand 
but it does sort of open himself up politically to to, to criticism. Um, yeah, but I, but I, the other thing I'd say is that you know the fact that it hits so close to home is something because there's so many problems out there in the world that I feel like like a Richio feels very disconnected from, and it's. Uh, it's interesting that like because it happened to him, this is when this is why he's decided to say something, and I and it just kind of makes me wish that the rich were more closely connected to the world's troubles, to like the problems on the ground, and so they could, you know, speak out more and actually make a difference. And, and you know, I, I imagine there, there's probably some CEOs who have like children that struggle with like you know, addiction issues or mental health things. And that's why like those kinds of causes are near and dear to them. And they'll, and they'll put a lot of money and support and gala dinners uh, with, with, to those causes. But when it comes to things that feel a little bit more remote, you, I can see them not really caring as much about, but this was kind of an interesting one because it happened to do with someone like, you know, directly involved in his own life, which is like an employee at his company. So it just, it just yeah, you really kind of begin to feel you know, when something hits close to home, that's when that's when people really, really, uh, you know, step out of their lane to, to say something. Yeah. Shall we move on? Sure. Um, the next thing we're going to talk about seems a little bit trivial in comparison. But again, this is the world. There are, you know, tragic and sad things that live right next to silly things that live right next to trivial things. Uh, but the next thing we're talking about is the uh, the Megxit is what people are calling it because uh, <laughs> Meghan Markle and Prince Harry uh, released a statement last week saying that they uh, wanted to take a step back from their senior roles in the royal family uh, and in fact, you know, uh, potentially leave the UK. Um, and then sort of this was another interesting part of the statement, say that they wanted to work on being uh, independently sort of like um, viable. So like maybe not rely on the money from the royal family, but, uh, you know, sort of establish themselves and be independent in a way that not many royals historically have done. Uh, this made massive, massive news. Uh, Meghan Markle is already a major target by all accounts in the UK. Uh, I think they've spoken in interviews about how much it's sort of, how crushing it's been to constantly sort of be followed and talked about in negative ways. And uh, maybe sort of getting out of that scene is, is best for, for them mentally and for them, their family and for their health. They have the baby now. Uh, but it's, it's kind of shocking. And people that already were inclined to dislike her or think that she was an interloper on the family now see her as somebody that's maybe taking away Harry and whisking him to Canada and it's he's turning on his own family because of her. I mean, this is all sort of like, you know, it's it's literally just sort of a, a reality show without being a reality show and something for us all to talk about and it's entertaining, but it is one of the biggest news stories in the world right now. Guys, what are our thoughts on the Megxit? Well, we're, you said it was shocking. Do you mean to other people or were you shocked? Um, <laughs> shocking to, uh, to shocking in the sense that it became a news story. I wasn't shocked. I'm like, oh my god, they're leaving the royal family. I I was just more like, oh, that's interesting. Like it makes sense. And then I kind of thought about it more, and then sort of had more thoughts on the idea of what the hell the monarchy is and what it represents and why you know who pays for it and its role in a modern society. And it got me thinking a lot about that stuff. But I obviously like, you know, uh, Queen Elizabeth's uncle uh, abdicated the throne. Uh, that's how her father became the king because he fell in love with an American who had been divorced. And so it's like this is kind of the last time that anyone's been like 
stepped away from their royal duties because you know the whole it's like you're lucky enough or privileged enough to be born into this family which means that your only role is to be a figurehead really you know you have to represent um UK to the world, uh, this, and that's the privilege of basically having your whole life, the, the sort of like the standing that you have in your life. You never have to worry about money. You, you know, everything's always taken care of, but you have to sort of occupy this role. So I think it's shocking and maybe detrimental to the way people view the monarchy when somebody's like, I don't want it. Do you know what I mean? Do you think they're going to have to start worrying about money now? <laughs> <laughs> I, I think that they're both so... Um, I think that... I, I No, absolutely not. Like if, 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 if Kim Kardashian doesn't have to worry about money... Meg and Harry do not have to real money because like they'll always be able to do something whether it's like a non-profit or if they ever wanted to like you know monetize their, they could monetize their life in a bajillion ways but I think they're probably both savvy enough to actually do like either philanthropic work or other ways to like absolutely have I, money. I think she's getting back into acting that's what I heard yeah. really Disney movie she's doing a voice role. Wow. Yeah. That's a rumor, yeah. And they could probably sell a lot of stuff on Instagram if well, they, they had they, accounts. they trademarked their name <laughs> or something like that. And so... <laughs> Skin lotion for Harry. <laughs> His face looks flawless. That skinny tea stuff he's promoting. <laughs> um, you know, I never even thought about the acting. I just assumed kind of like Grace Kelly. It's like once you marry into like um, to royalty, you kind of just, you don't do any sort of common job again and not that acting is a common job but it's like grace kelly is kind of like she's out of it once she becomes you know princess well, grace, grace kelly. people may not know who grace kelly is but she married <laughs> she is from like an actress from like the 60s the 50s, yeah, 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 yeah yeah and she married an arabian prince or something and then yeah the prince of uh, monaco right yeah so but anyway uh, uh so i just but now that you mention this acting thing if, if Meghan markle wanted to like she could probably be in any movie she wanted to like do you, don't you think like scorsese or somebody would put her in a film yeah, she could be a bit of a distraction. Right. Right. I think she could be in any, like, shittier movie she wanted to be. Was well, like, think of... <laughs> <laughs> like, the biggest movie she's ever been in, I think, is called, like, When Sparks Fly. Yeah, like, do we even and know... And it's if she's a Hallmark a... film. Do we even know if she's... And I that? loved it, by the way. Because <laughs> I, did, I did know who she was before she actually uh, was somebody. Suits, right? That's her big one? People watch Suits? Mm-hmm. Yeah, I've never seen that yeah. show, but I was staying in a hotel with my wife, and it only really got that Hallmark channel. And we, uh, my buddy's wife, Matt Unsworth's wife, ended up being in this movie called When Sparks Fly, and Meghan Markle was in it. Yeah. So we ended up watching the whole film, and we she's loved good. it. Yeah. So she's a good actor. It was a good movie. Right. I don't know. Maybe it was just the right role for her. <laughs> <laughs> um, Max, what do you think of all the uh, the hubbubaloo about this Megxit? Clever name, by the way. Uh, the Brits hubbubaloo. <laughs> uh, both hubbubaloo and Megxit. Uh, That's her next film, hubbubaloo. <laughs> hubbubaloo. <laughs> Discovery of some weird. Yeah. Anyway, um, what do you think of it all, Max? Uh, I, I'm really intrigued by it because I feel like there's a lot of situations in life where people are like kind of thrust into. This happens with like the privilege, I think. They're, they're, they're thrust into this like position and it's act, it's actually not enjoyable. And then you go, well, why do you subject yourself to this? I feel like Hollywood celebrities do this a lot where it's like you can tell they're miserable. They're like they're, they're filmed by the paparazzi all the time. They seem to not be enjoying themselves like Jennifer Aniston. And she's like she must kind of hate her life sometimes because she's like she can't go anywhere with somebody like snapping a photo of her and then ending up on the cover of Us Weekly saying, is she back with Brad? And then I always go to myself, why don't you just change things? Why don't you just move to somewhere that has nice weather, but no one will fucking bother you? And no one seems to do that very often or it just doesn't happen that often. And so but Megan, who gets thrust into the most uh, extreme example 
of that, which is the British tabloids, and marrying into the royal family, kind of observes the situation and goes, this is kind of fucking terrible. And then Harry is like, yeah, this is fucking terrible. This is the thing that literally killed my mom. Why don't we just fucking go to Canada? And that's exactly what they're doing. So I'm actually very impressed by um, their sort of uh, commitment to, to changing like this this like part of their life that seemed that would go on forever unless they made a dramatic move. So I am quite impressed. And there's nothing bigger than shucking the the British the British press or royalty in itself and, and saying we're gonna do things differently. Uh, my question for you guys is though, if if they do move to Canada, which is what they're saying, they're gonna spend their time in Canada, do you think the Canadian taxpayer should pay for their security? Like do you do you think we should be taking that on? Well, no. And here's but I mean how do you feel about the monarch in general? And like you know what's I don't like the monarchy. Uh, I think it's stupid. And it's something I don't really un- totally understand. I know some very smart people in England that like are very sensible in many different ways. Kind of like the monarchy. It's like such a like a massive part of their history and who they are as people that like like everyone kind of just like liked Princess Diana, like kind of likes the queen. Like people like love the monarchy even though you, they can also say the monarchy as an idea is very fucking stupid. Um, so I don't like the monarchy, but for some reason, maybe this is like the Canadian, like, Ooh, this is exciting part of me would be like, yeah, why not? Let's set aside a couple million dollars and have them hang out in Canada <laughs> for some reason that it makes no sense, but it doesn't bother me. But do they even need security? Like they basically like <laughs> they're, they're nobodies now. They're just like, <laughs> they're out on the street doing what they can to get by. Like, are they, is he still called <laughs> Prince Harry? Is yes. he just Harry now? He could. I, I, well, here's the, it's interesting too that they they had this like, see, this this uh, emergency meeting and ultimately like they are the queen's, like you're the queen's subject, you know, she mm-hmm. could, she could rule in a certain way. Now, I don't know how practical it is, but like in theory, if the queen wanted to off with his head, somebody in England that she, like, she he, could behead someone in 2020. I think she is above the law. I think she can do that. I don't think it would practically happen, and there would probably be a million, you know, barriers to doing it. But in theory, all of these things that are on the books stay in the books. That's why it's like this fascinating thing. Like, I was wondering what you think about duty. Like, so the idea of like um, Harry being born into this family, like the idea, you know, when you meant you compared it to Jennifer Aniston. Well, Jennifer Aniston like chose to be an actress, and uh, and and she could quit being an actress at any time. The, the sort of the idea behind being born in the monarchy is it's like. You might not want to do it, but it's your duty to do it. And the idea that, like, um, this is what you're born into. And, like, yeah, we all want to do different things. A lot of people would also love to be born into a castle, but they don't get to do that. So by your very nature, you are bound to do this. And you don't really get a choice in the matter if you're a member of the royal family. Or at least you need her permission. And then so it seems like they were mostly pissed off, the the sort of the other royal family or the queen, other members of the royal family, that they put out a statement and that there was no coordination. Like if it had at least had the appearance mm. that the queen and them had come to this choice and she allowed her grandson to go and do this with his new wife and his family and, you know, it seems like they're, they've they acted very independently and sort of like a willfully yeah. defied her rule, which is the antithesis of everything the whole thing stands for. So it's kind of like this mess on from an ideological standpoint. Do you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Also, I think didn't for this big meeting that was happening yesterday, didn't Megan just call in? Yeah. <laughs> like, kind of like you right now. Which, she called in for this for this meeting. I was wondering about that when I read that because I'm like, do you say much? Are you kind of like looking at Twitter while you're on mute? You know what I mean? Like, uh, yeah. <laughs> 
Do you even feel bold enough to like speak up when it's like the queen is talking, or you know, or Prince Charles is piping in, or William is like, "You're embarrassing the family, Harry. Like, get it together." You know, like, or is she like, "Well, you know what, William? Like, I don't. Yeah. What is that dynamic like mm-hmm. in that family? It's so funny. She probably <laughs> always dreamed of being a princess or whatever, and then she becomes it, and she's like, "This sucks," <laughs> yeah. and she just wants yeah. out. There's a lesson there, man. Mm-hmm. Careful what you wish for is a lesson. <laughs> I just thought it was so funny. Like, we'll have like band meetings, you know, where we're all supposed to kind of go into the office and everyone sits around the conference table and like just, you know, is with each other. And then sometimes certain band members are like, I'm just going to call them for this one. And you're like, come on, you couldn't just fucking drive the hour down the road and just fucking come to the meeting. Like, just come to the fucking meeting, right? But it's so, but I just think it's so funny that Megan's like, this is like literally like the biggest crisis in like royalty history. And she's just like, I'm just going to call in. <laughs> Do you know what I mean? It's so funny. I, I, was, I really love that. It's wild. Um, but Yeah. But uh, hey, I, what I was going to suggest to you guys, uh, Mike and Shane, is you guys need to do a little sleuthing um, uh, t- today at the office. Because when you see our old friend Ben Mulrooney, you got to ask him what the deal is. Because uh, his wife is very good friends with Megan. Yeah, she's her maid of honor. They stay at their place sometimes. Yeah, maid of honor. So just uh, get, get, get the dirty deeds. I don't know. I see Ben at work, and I've been on uh, his morning show, but he does not acknowledge me when I walk <laughs> by. So that might be a hard ask for me. Maybe Mike can get in there. <laughs> I wouldn't ask him about the Royals. I, yeah, that's a – I don't know. I don't know how we really deal with that. It's kind of weird. It's like we all acknowledge that, like, they are – they're friends. They're literally, like, family friends. They were at the royal wedding, but then it's like I don't know how much they ever talk about it on eTalk. Yeah. It's uh, okay. Well, you anyway, got, Max, you got a slide any... in there. You're, you're like he'll talk to you. He'll he'll give you the dirt because you're like another famous person. Yeah, you know what? Maybe, maybe I know like Tessa is friends with her. Um, he's friends with Jessica, so maybe, maybe yeah. Th- there's definitely some channels that we that we should think about. I like that you are consumed <laughs> by this right now. You're like I need the inside gossip when there's probably literally well, you... two thousand people right now trying to get the inside gossip that have better ties than us. Oh, for sure. Well, you know who should be on this pod is, is Manager Ash because she loves this more than anything. So the, she, she's more, more of an authority than any of us. Well, so ultimately, it's if like, there's more developments, we'll get her on it. It's kind of the perfect, like, harmless, entertaining, gossipy news story that is just kind of comes and you all kind of... And also, it's like, <laughs> I think people just like reading about family drama because then they, they either mm-hmm. go... Uh, my family's not so crazy either. Like, we, we also don't get along with, like, uh, my sister-in-law or whatever it is. It's just kind of like, royals, they're just like us, which I think mortifies them that people think that because they're supposed to be some sort of elevated version of uh, of ourselves. Hey, do you think um, Will should have got hair implants? <laughs> That's Harry's brother? I'm just, just kind of shocked that he didn't. That he, like, I'm just like, you think he would. I don't know. If you're if you're Prince William, I don't know. Well, yeah, because he was the hot one, and then the hot one kind of switched. Unless I'm mistaken, is, hey, no. is oh, Harry the hot one? Prince William was like oh, yeah. in like the '90s. Prince William was like people like like Britney Spears wanted like a date with him. You know, and it was like that thing where it's like he was kind of like a weird poster boy, where everyone was like Prince William, and Harry was kind of the awkward younger, the brother. redheaded, ugly child. <laughs> And, and, then, and then and then they they grew into uh, their 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 age and their looks. Do you think do you think that William is he normally wearing a hat? Isn't he always wearing like one of those like kind of like mm-hmm. no? I guess not. I guess he's in the suit with his kind of like uh, his, his receding hairline. Mm-hmm. I don't know because yeah. he has kind of like the ironically the crown hairline. He now. does. He does. Yeah. He does. He. Uh, I don't know, Max. If you were as wealthy as him and you're a prince and second in line 
uh, to the throne, I guess after uh, Queen Elizabeth. I mean, third in line technically. I think it goes Elizabeth, Charles, and then and then Will, uh, and then Will's kids. By the way, Harry's like something like eight or nine. So like by him like sort of being like I'm stepping back. I kind of want out of the family in an official capacity. It's not like he was going to be the king anyway. It's going to be like Charles mm-hmm. for the next twenty years, and then Will will get in there long after he's an old dude. Who would you rather be, Will or Harry? Like nowadays? Oh, Harry. Harry for sure. Well, Harry's living a more conventional like. Listen, like Harry is all of us. He's just somebody, looks wise. Oh, looks wise. Yeah. Oh, okay. If we're just being, okay. Looks. Well, I think I, at this point, I think I think Harry Harry's better looking than Will. See, Erica's I think, looking it up right now. Well, I want to see young Will. I don't really know what that looks. Well, like. Well, we got to base it on Will now, That's but look up time. young Will to see who was hotter. Uh, Max, who do you got, Harry or Will? Oh, Harry for sure now, and and, and Harry's just like a cooler dude. Um, but Will could go you know, for like the Jason Statham and like shave his head. Yeah. Wow, he was really cute. <laughs> he kind of looks like Chad Michael Murray a little bit. Yes, Whoa. like like a young Chad yeah. Michael. People, Murray. Lo- he was like he was like Jonathan Taylor Thomas. Oh, he didn't age very well. See, people who go bald when they're young <laughs> have very awesome hair because it's kind of like thin and feathered, but perfectly. Oh, but only for a finite amount of time. Yeah. Mm. The oh. hair's the hair's uh, here for a good time, not a long time. It's true. Yeah. <laughs> but I've noticed that. Well, Max, if you started to lose your hair, would you get plugs? You asked it of Will. Yeah, I, I would never discuss that in public. <laughs> Whoa. Okay. <laughs> Have you gotten hair plugs already? <laughs> no, definitely not. Okay. No. no, I got a pretty good head of hair. My dad, my dad's got a full head of hair. Oh, Mike Kirby's still uh, rocking a full head of hair. Yeah, yeah, and my mom's side is good too. So I think I'm in a good shape. You're all right. Like, my uncle, who's, like, 66, has, like, a full head of hair on my mom's side. And her dad, who passed, but he had a full head of hair when he died. So, I think I'm okay. What if you found out he'd been wearing a wig all these years? Would you be crushed? (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, it would would shatter everything everything I believe. Just show up for breakfast? He forgot one thing. (laughs) (laughs) Look away! (laughs) All right. To to wrap things up, we are going to get to Shane's surprise. But right before we do that, I just want to remind you. I know it's late in the episode. Go check out The Pedestal. The pedestal. We did the movie The Exorcist. Very scary. Uh, just in time for Halloween. So uh, get into that. Uh, hopefully you enjoy it. Uh, we, we, uh, you'll, you'll hear whether we enjoyed watching or not. So now, Shane, surprise. Shane, what do you got for us? See, I thought I had something a little more interesting. But it turns out my wife lied to me a little bit. She must have heard this story through a broken telephone ah. But yesterday, uh, my wife said to me, oh, did you hear about the... Japanese billionaire who is uh, having like a kind of setting up his own Tinder to see if a woman want to live with him on the moon. What? So they get to live very lavishly, but they have to be on the moon with him forever. This is amazing. And I'm almost sad to see how this story corrects itself because that story just in and of itself is amazing. Well, now it find it, now that I'm reading here, he's trying to find a woman that enjoys being mooned. <laughs> yes, <laughs> he has to moon her every morning while she finishes her breakfast. Um, I am a billionaire, but it is one of my quirks. Well, it turns out his name is uh, Yusaku Maizuwa, and that's exactly how you say it. Uh, <laughs> that was pretty good, actually. Uh, he he wants to go uh, for a trip around the moon. Ah. For some time in uh, 2023. So, uh, yeah, so he will be the initial private passenger to loop around the moon for Elon Musk's American aerospace manufacturer and space transportation company based in Hawthorne, California. So I guess they're doing like 
some crazy trip. It might take a long time, but he's doing like a Bachelor-esque show. Uh, to see who wants to be his date or is it a group of people can go? I think just to see who wants to be his date for this, this amazing trip. trip. Wow. wow. But it, for me, if it was going to live there forever on the moon and kind of be one of the first people to live on the moon when like in early prep for the earth exploding or whatever because a lot of people are saying we got to start colonizing in other planets if we want to keep once our natural resources are used up yeah and some people are hypothesizing this could be you know within the next hundred years so people are already planning to build uh, a new life in another uh, stratosphere so i thought it was interesting and i was wondering uh would you guys ever do that if the woman was hot enough or if there was enough money (laughs) because it's interesting like this guy's not an ugly guy He's, he's young, actually. In your mind, you're probably thinking he's in his 50s. But this guy looks like he's younger than us. He's in his maybe late 20s. Well, here's a question. Would you be into the idea of being an early colonizer? Like, let's say that they, 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 were at, they said, listen, we're going to send people to the moon to start colonizing. You will get, like, you will never have to worry about money because, like, everything's going to be taken care of. Like, you, it's going to be some hard work. We're going to have to build infrastructure. But basically, it's like we're all going to work together. Is anybody interested in doing that, being one of the first people to live on the moon? I hate all of this. I hate every part of this idea, guys. Uh, I have no interest in being an early colonizer. I feel so lonely. Also, I don't want to hang out with just one person. That sounds like fucking hell. I'd want to, <laughs> yeah. They, they'd want to kill me. I'd want to kill them after about three days. Like, I need variety, you know, personally. Is it like, do you think Alex was trying to test you because, like, she loves the idea of just sort of hanging out with you all the time, Shane? It's like, would you, would you do this? I, I, I would do this. Would you do this? And then it was like a test. Well, I don't know. Maybe. I don't think she said she would do this. Uh, I like how obsessed you think Alex is with me, though. I'm very flattered by other people thinking (laughs) that. Uh, What if it was Obama and he just wanted to hang with you? It's it's four years, just you and Obama. You get to write a book about it, everything. But you have to be alone with him for four years on the moon. I think Obama's the only person I do this Max, you would lose four four (laughs) years of your prime, though. But you would come back very famous. Oh, me, but me and Obama, it would be fucking so cool. I take back what I said. He, yeah, he's the only guy who I do this with. Okay, what about you, Erica? Maybe Dan Hamilton, too. Yeah. Uh, I don't like the idea of living on the moon. Mm-hmm. It sounds also very scary and lonely, but I, I'd enter this guy's pool. I'll see how far I can make it. <laughs> yeah. Just for the podcast. Yeah, I'd do it. How well, do you just enter? A lot of people do that, I think, and enter The Bachelor just because it's fun to see yeah. what your worth is. Yeah, and like right. The Bachelor, if I don't win, maybe it'll kickstart an influencer career online. Mm-hmm. I'll get a lot of followers or something. <laughs> How do you so enter, you're going to you know? submit for this guy. I'll submit. Yeah. This is amazing. What Are, do I need? Uh, I think you just have to sign up online. What do you probably you need a photo or something? Oh yeah. You'll need a photo. Oh, and like, okay. Okay. You got to apply properly. I think it's sure. a video application. Okay. Send me the link. Okay. I'll do that. Well, uh, yeah. Uh, Mikey, what are your thoughts on living on the moon? Oh, uh, uh, in theory, I love the idea of sort of like being an early colonizer and sort of going to the moon and sort of trying like the idea of building something new. It's like changing your whole life around and it's exciting. But I think I'm a creature of comfort. I've come to love the earth too much. I love NBA basketball too much. I don't know if I can get a feed to the moon. Uh, um, you know, the idea of being with my family all the time, like if me and Danica Winona went to the moon, it's like we're going to build something. It's like the early settlers or something. There's something interesting in theory about that, but I know. Oh, stop it. Are you fucking kidding me, Mike? You're such a liar. How dare you, Max? <laughs> Listen, I, here's the thing. I also don't picture it as just the three of us. I, we're not, I'm not, I can't do that kind of work. <laughs> okay. So you have a great cable package. All your no, friends a community, are there. A community. The comms are great. Like if there's like 150 <laughs> people going and I don't know the other 197. 
Well, that's no different than that's that's no different than your life now. You basically hang out with about 150 people in your life now. It would just be on the moon. It's no different. Yeah, but I know the people. I I, I get to choose the people I hang out with now. We'd be building something with these strangers. You'd have on the to moon. make new friends. Yes, which I I do like doing. But you get along with people. I don't know. Yeah, but but what I'm saying is, even with <laughs> that theory, I would be more likely to stay on Earth because I like the ocean. I like the sky. I like like I'm too. Inv- I I've come to love it here too much than the idea of starting something new on the moon. Although I like it in theory. So yeah, I agree with you, Max. I'm not going anywhere. You don't have to worry. You were just okay, you good. were you were lashing out at me because you were scared you were going to lose me, Max. Yeah, that's exactly it. <laughs> um, Shane, if we're talking about like, I I want to like trash this segment up a little bit. Like you classified it way too much. <laughs> like added class to it. You didn't make it classified. Uh, but my original thing was how hot would the woman have to be? <laughs> right, 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 so, right. So, okay, so, 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 but this is so just two people going to the moon. Yeah. Kay. So Lou and my wife, unfortunately, tragic <laughs> bus accident. They're gone. It's terrible to say, but they're gone in this hypothetical scenario. It's horrible to say, but that's the scenario I have to create. Or maybe I, I just never met them and I never had a kid. Some maybe that's better. Uh, but let's say Carmen Electra, circa 1995, <laughs> wants to go with just me <laughs> to the moon. If it's four years, I say I would do it, have a great time, write a good book, and uh, yeah, probably have some really good um, moon sex. (laughs) (laughs) 